You are listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Rise Directory, connecting clinical supervisors to the next generation of mental health providers. Are you a clinical supervisor? Then you are invited to join us as one of the founding members. Tap the link in the show notes for more details. Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, it's your host, Katherine Moore here. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. This week, we're talking with Savine who is an LCSW, passionate about anti-burnout work. She is a self-worth coach for social workers. And bonus, she offers a no-cost brain-based training called Stop Running on the Burnout Hamster Wheel. Definitely check out the show notes for the link to that training. This week, we're going to be talking with her about What are the physical symptoms that we should look out for when it comes to burnout or if we're feeling too much stress? What, how is that going to show up physically for us? Also, she gives us the secret to advocating for ourselves in the workplace. And I even asked her, how does an anti-burnout coach practice self-care? I'm so excited for this conversation and I'm glad that you are here. This is a topic near and dear to my heart. I'm a burnout survivor and a fierce advocate that we need to stop normalizing burnout in the social work industry and instead normalize self-care ways for us to actually prevent burnout from happening. And with that, let's hop into this episode. Hello, welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Savine, I am so excited to talk to you. We have been going back and forth uh, for months trying to figure out a good time to talk. So I'm glad that we're finally able to connect. Yeah, same here. I know schedules. I mean, I guess that's that's what you get when you're a social worker. <laughs> a lot of back and forth to figure out a time, but I'm so glad to be here as well. Yes, definitely. So you are a a social worker one and LCSW recently. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about it. Yes, that's amazing. How did the test go? We all I we all want to know each other's stories. Yeah. Um, you know, I I really studied hard. I know that. Um, and I felt like prepared, but obviously there's always that nervousness. But um, you know, the test was very similar to what I had studied, um, which is all about like how the t- questions are um sort of worded and you know, um how to eliminate um 
the answers that aren't working and just kind of that process. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, but obviously, when you're taking the test, you're so nervous and you're thinking, oh, my God, I didn't get anything right. So. Yes, I yeah. remember. Yeah, the test is, is rough and it's so long. It's so exhausting. Yes, very exhausting. I was like having some back issues that week and I was just like, oh, my gosh. So I was like getting up and stretching a little bit. But yeah, it was fine eventually. <laughs> Good. Did you use any study system to to help study? I did. Um, what was it called? I think it's the it's a pretty popular one. TDC, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what I used. We actually had the founder of TDC on a previous episode. So definitely go back and listen to Amanda Rowan. She is really, really inspirational. Um, yes. So thank you for sharing that. And so, okay, LCSW, social worker. I thought I saw that you're a psychiatric social worker. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. What does a psychiatric social worker do? Yeah, so um, I guess there's different roles, but um, I have primarily worked as an inpatient um, social worker, so um, in a psychiatric hospital. So uh, I've worked inpatient. I've also worked in the ER, um, in the psych ER. So basically, um, in the inpatient units, um, your role is pretty much to uh, provide group therapy, um, individual therapy, psychosocials, develop um, uh, treatment plans. Um, discharge planning, all of that good stuff. So that's uh, providing referrals. Um, family sessions aren't a big, big thing uh, in most psych facilities that I've been aware of, but um, there is um, a group therapy, which is really big. So sometimes some hospitals will have like um, two, three, even four groups a day um, for patients. So that's, that's what that's about. Okay. And so these are these are psychiatric hospitals, not like normal everyday hospitals, right? Right. So there's two. I worked in a, in a hospital that was just psychiatric. Um, so we had like about four, five units um, that were just, uh, I think two of them were adult units. Um, one was funded by the state. Um, then we had a children and adolescence unit and so on. But there are hospitals that will have a psych unit. Um, so it'll be like a regular everyday hospital and then they will have a psych unit um, um, in within the hospital. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. I'm, I'm starting my first hospital job. I've been in the medical field and hospice and palliative and outpatient clinics. So now mm -hmm. I'm starting my first job as a hospital social worker. So uh -huh. I'm trying to get all of the information. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you are also a social work coach. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yes. An anti-burnout and neuro, I'm going to butcher it, neuroscience. Yeah. Certified? Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? Tell us. Yeah. So a neuroscience coach, um, so neuroscience is basically, right, the study of um, the nervous system. Um, and so instead of, you know, like you could be a neuroscientist and probably could do like so many different things with it. But um, as a neuroscience coach, basically what you do is 
really any type of coaching that you do, um, you do it from a brain based model. And so that means, um, you know, providing your clients with not just strategies um, that are brain based, but also um, some knowledge around, you know, the brain and, and how their brain is functioning. And, and it makes the coaching process very, very effective, because the client not only knows what to do, but why they're doing it. And I, and I really feel like that's what makes it really long lasting. Um, so for example, we'll be talking about, you know, being triggered right at work when it comes to burnout. Um, but then what happens? Like what's happening in your brain when you feel triggered? Well, it's your amygdala that's activated. Well, how are ways that we can soothe your amygdala? So things like that, that's, it's like coaching, but it's coming from a neuroscience um, model and approach. I love that. And I, it sounds so powerful to be able to give that added perspective to, to what is going on, because as social workers, we're trained a lot in emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to measure those things. But then when you have the neuroscience aspect to back it up, it, it's almost like for me, it seems like it would decrease the stigma associated with mental health, because then it's saying, okay, these things are legitimate and they have legitimately impacted the biology of your brain. And then it makes it more like, um, like a health problem. Like we're so, we're so accustomed to talking about health and cancer and diabetes um, that it kind of puts it on the same level. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I've had social workers who, I mean, have been losing their hair you know, like have a lot of GI problems and they're super, super burnt out and it's all connected. And you have to know, um, you know, that, okay, you know, what are the neurotransmitters that are like, you know, I mean, you want the, you want dopamine, you want serotonin, but like, how do you get that? Like what's missing, you know? Um, and so it, it, you're right. Like it takes it from that surface level to, to a much more deeper level. Um, and it's honestly helped me like in my everyday life too. So I'm really big on practicing what I preach and like every day it helps me to, uh, my own neuroscience knowledge. So that's great. I definitely want to know what you do for self-care, but first you mentioned (laughs) that people come to you with their hair falling out with GI problems. Mm -hmm. What are some of the signs or symptoms of long-term untreated stress because we are so ingrained in this hustle culture like we just give everything to our jobs Mm -hmm. so giving that we don't give back to ourselves and we don't make the time we don't make it a priority to reduce our stress and to to really live a balanced life so what are some of the long-term effects that you've seen resulting from unmanaged stress? Yeah, so definitely physical health issues. So, you know, headaches will turn into migraines. Um, um, a lot of hormone imbalance um, will, will occur because of that. So, for example, um, you know, long-term um stress that's not managed will cause like insomnia. And then, you know, that's, it's kind of like a vicious cycle. So then the not sleeping is going to, you know, impact, it's going to actually impact your amygdala It's going to make it more activated. So 
negative emotions. So you can imagine like you're going to work um, or you're spending time with your family, but inside you're so agitated, you know, you just have like this negative um, perspective of life now. Um, so some of the long-term effects are one for sure, like a change in perspective. Um, so just seeing things in a more negative light um, than you used to, even feeling like sort of uh, uh, helpless in the terms of like, what's the point? Because, because you've been in it so long that you just kind of don't see the point you lose purpose. Um, so, so that's also one of the things. So major health issues, you know, change in perspective, um, definitely, um, uh, even has an impact on your relationships because you're not, um, you don't feel emotionally invested, um, and so even if you have like, you know, a kid's partner or whatever, you're just kind of like getting by, but you're not, you're not being able to live and, and engage in your relationships at the level that you could, if your stress had been managed early on. Yes, I remember all of those symptoms and mm -hmm. just thinking to myself, did I work my butt off, get into debt and go to school for all of these years to be this miserable? No. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, <laughs> I envision this life that I am contributing to others. I am happy. I am fully mm -hmm. present for my family. And that just wasn't my reality. Exactly, exactly. And there's so many beliefs that we have that we start off with, you know, when we uh, are first getting into the profession. And it's like everything just gets like shattered almost, you know, and, yes. and it's painful. It's painful to have like it's a, a lot of people will refer to it as moral injury. And and that's true. It's, it's like an injury, it hurts, and it's painful um, to, to see that this is your reality when this is not what you expected at all. Yeah. Cause we come into this field wanting to help other people and be mm -hmm. the change. But then when we start working in all of the standard jobs, right? Like yes. health, um, homeless, homeless shelter, mm -hmm. um, we're all, CPS, APS, you know, right. we see that, we see how broken the system is and mm -hmm. how limited we are sometimes to really make change. And, and it's, I, I think there, there's a, a moment for all of us social workers that we realize like, oh shoot, this isn't <laughs> quite what I'm hoping it would be. Yes. Um, now, and now I see, now I see why it's so, so broken and, and I would actually use that in conversation with my clients. Mm -hmm. State the facts like, look, I know that I'm part of the system and the system is broken, but I'm here as a human trying mm -hmm. to do my best on your side to see what can what can work. So I don't know if you had that same or a similar experience. I did, you know, like, um, you know, for example, right, like in the in the, in an inpatient hospital, I mean, ultimately, it's the doctor's call, it's the psychiatrist that's going to make the call of, you know, certain things and, and treatment wise, but, um, you know, so sometimes you have to show up um, for your clients and really just talk about, you know, look, I know that this is what you need, and I'm going to advocate for you, but 
you know, there are certain things that it's just like, it's out of my control and not really just the doctors, even, even like you said, the system, you know, like I worked on a unit that had um, a, a limit of 14 days, but I mean, what happens if your client or your patient needs more, like if they need, you know, 16 days or 17 days, well, I mean, it, there's really no other option. There was like all these different gaps that you start to find um, within the system and you see how broken it is, like you said, but you just have to show up very transparent with your clients. And I think that that shows them that you're human as well. And that, um, like I call it, like, can I come sit on your side? You know, that's what I do with my coaching clients too. Can I get on the on your side of the table? And can we figure this out? Because you know, I could sit on the other side and take the stance of an expert and whatnot, but that's not going to bring me the connection that my clients are looking for. Mm -hmm. So, so powerful. It really just conveys that, that true empathy as opposed Mm -hmm. to the sympathy, like, oh, that sucks. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I saw that you do have, so you do have your coaching program and you're also Mm -hmm. offering some free workshops. Yeah. So I did a a five-day workshop, I think it was back in February or maybe March. Um, But I have a a free training um, that, you know, I go over the exact method um, that social workers that I've worked with have used and that it has worked for them. Um, to get out of burnout, um, to significantly reduce your burnout, um, to improve your health, to really take your career to the next level. You know, a lot of social workers feel really stuck where they're at. And, um, you know, they'll, you know, do you think I should quit my job? Like, if you know, if I get a new job, is that the solution? And, and, and my answer is, it, it, yes and no, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's not always the solution. Because I know that I was actually burnt out um, at my dream job. So for me, I, I would not want someone to say, yeah, go ahead and quit and find another job. I I would probably be just as burnt out in any other job. So yeah, so you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the program helps you figure that part out. Because here's the main key thing. When we're in survival mode, our think- we're not thinking from our prefrontal cortex. We're not thinking clearly. So my job is not to, you know, make that decision for you or just kind of guide you even to make that decision. My job is to get you out of survival mode so that you can then make the best decision for yourself because you know what that is. It's just that you're in survival mode and so burnt out, so exhausted. I mean, even looking for a new job, if that was the case is a full-time job and we know that. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that training kind of goes over. It kind of gives you that exact method. Um, in the beginning of the training, I talk a lot about what burnout is and what it feels like because you need to know that you're in the right place and this is what's going on. I don't want to, you know, um, put you in a place where you're, like this is not something you need. Um, mm-hmm. So I go that in the training, the method. And then at the end, um, there's an opportunity for you, for anyone to um, schedule a call with me. It's a free, like free call. Um, it's usually about honestly about an hour. Um, because what I'm doing during that call is creating a customized blueprint um, for them. So 
everybody experiences burnout differently. And I don't want to put like a cookie cutter thing on the everybody like this is just the way it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, I want to know what your challenges are. I want to know what you know, what your experiences, what what's going on, you know, with you, and then create a, a blueprint according to that. So yes, I love that. That is so needed. And I definitely echo the um, the statement that you said that it's not about your job. It could be about your job, but mm -hmm. a lot of times what we're seeing across industries is burnout. And it, it seems to me like we do have control over a lot of things that cause burnout. So mm -hmm. if we don't know what those are, and if we don't know how to manage that, no matter what job we go to, we're going to be operating from the same habits that are mm -hmm. causing us to burn out. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Um, to, to find out when her next workshop is coming, definitely check her out on Instagram. Um, Savine underscore you matter. And mm -hmm. I was going through, I'm wondering if you can share one last tidbit yeah. uh, like with us. Can you tell us what is the secret to advocating for what we want and what we deserve? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The secret for advocating for yourself is, is having self-worth hands down. Like until you believe you matter, and your health matters and your relationships matter, you're not going, going to ad advocate in the way that you need to, to get your needs met. And, and I've learned this through very personal experience because I've, I grew up with very little self-worth. And so that transition, I never for myself or advocate for what I need um, until I, until I truly started to believe that I mattered. And so that's a huge part of my program. And that's why, because a lot of us became social workers because we have some connection with pain. You know, a lot of social workers have experienced pain themselves. They have, uh, you know, they know what it's like um, to be marginalized and, and go through that. So you know, but the, the flip side of that is the, the good side is that we have empathy because of that. And we were great social workers because of that. But the flip side is that sometimes we forget to value ourselves. So until we understand our own value and worth, um, we were not going to be able to advocate uh, for what we need. Definitely, definitely. And that is easier said than done. Yes. Which like, which is why we need people like you. So thank you. <laughs> for for everything that you're doing yes absolutely social work is you know i think you and i uh, and other social workers that i've even met through instagram like we were breathing you know living breathing sleeping social work and but it's so much fun like it's i love working with social workers i love meeting new social workers and to be honest it's such a learning process like even from you i've learned so much from your podcast um i've learned from other social workers um on social media it's just a great interaction it's a great to like connect and learn from each other and support each other because you know we we really need each other that's for sure <laughs> this profession yeah. is very very tough and um you know, the only way we can kind of create change, not only for our clients, but for ourselves is to come together for it. Definitely. And that's one of the big shifts that for that happened in 2020, 
because when I first started out with Social Workers Rise, I was thinking, okay, who can I network in my area in Southern California? But, you know, that all changed. And then I started networking from social workers all over the world. Right. It just blew my mind that what I was seeing here in Southern California, they're seeing everywhere. You know, we have the same same problems, the same issues, the same systematic, you know, challenges. And, um, and it just, you know, we're all human. So we're all dealing with the same things. I thought that was so fascinating um disheartening and encouraging at the same time yeah I totally agree I've talked to social workers from Australia um from Canada like uh, I think in Malaysia like I've talked to social workers from all over the world too and it's I totally agree it's it's a little disheartening but it's it's also kind of comforting like okay we're all in this together Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I, I truly believe that we are one of the most undertapped and underutilized advocacy resources out there. Absolutely. We're, we're so tired. <laughs> we're so tired. <laughs> we just don't have time to write all the letters and make all the calls and, um, you know, do all the things because mm-hmm. we're trying to do it for our own clients. Um, but if we can figure out how to really reduce burnout in mm-hmm. our profession, you know, that's one of the main changes I want to see through these conversations is to stop normalizing and glorifying burnout. It's it right. Needs to we need to be healthy and selves to to be well and to enjoy life so that we can show up as our best selves for our for our clients. Absolutely. You know, um, I'll be really, really like transparent. I've been like, um, a a bit MIA from from social media lately. And, and it's because I have to know my limits, like I have to know that I can't do it all. And that's okay. So if I'm working on, you know, um, you know, starting my private practice, and if I'm, you know, working on building a new training for burnout, like there, there's limitations that I have as a human. And, you know, technically, could I do it all? Probably, I could probably push myself. But, but that's what we have to learn, right? Like you said, not glorifying that, not, you know, wearing that as a badge of honor, and and actually understanding our own limitations and being okay with that and understanding that because I can honor my body's needs, I can actually show up in a much, much more um, energetic, authentic, um, and meaningful way for the people that I'm working with. Definitely. Yeah, that's, you know, my, okay, so to back up to what I <laughs> rise, um, it was just kidding. At the beginning of 2021, I was uh-huh. working full time in palliative and my coworker quit and they're like, Catherine, can you start seeing or not seeing, but t- providing teletherapy for eight to 10 clients a day? Mm-hmm. And like, uh, no, I, I will do my best, but that's not going to be effective because I feel for long enough to know that my, yes. my healthy max is like four to five people on the phone a day. Like, mm-hmm. right. so doing more than that, it like, oh, Oh my gosh, Sabine. I know. After like a week, I was crying. (laughs) You know, it's just not, not realistic. And I feel not. 
I feel for our new people into the field because they they see oh standard is you know x amount of people a day and they uh-huh. can't but just because it's standard doesn't mean that it's best practice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you I actually when I first got my um job as an inpatient psych- psychiatric social worker, I chose I literally chose to work 16 hour shifts. Isn't that insane? Like, why would someone choose that? (laughs) But, you know, it's that it's that it's that belief, right? Like, I can do it. I want to do it. I'm excited. Well, it's and now I look back and I'm like, Oh, my goodness, like, that's the insane Sabine, like, that was craziness, right? Um, And like, in the private practice, like, see, I'm not used to that, right? So like, I'm, I'm like, learning, like, what's too much, what's not. And so far I've been, um, Catherine, I've been scheduling like two to three clients a day and yeah. And I've, I'm doing that and I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, see how this goes. Then I'm going to go up. But to be very honest, like there's always that thought behind, like running behind my mind. And I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if I could just do like 10 a day, two, two days and I'd be done. But no, like you have to be realistic and you have to understand that, you know, you want to be the best for your clients, right? And after that fourth session, you're probably not going to show up that way. Yeah, three hours of therapy a day is like, like perfect for me because right, not not all at one time, but three different clients, right? If you're seeing yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. because then it's like you have time to find resources and to do your notes accurately and to eat lunch. Yeah, you know, and and I and I understand that, you know, so many social workers are stuck in jobs that are, you know, like with community mental health, like 100 plus caseload. I mean, I, I can't even imagine, you know, and it's um, and I really do understand their struggle because they don't sometimes have the luxury to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, what I really focus on is very, very small changes that are very, very powerful. So, you know, I mean, five minutes in between a session, uh, in between two sessions, if you know how to use your brain wisely, that five minutes could really boost your energy versus if you just grab your phone and you scroll for five minutes until your next session starts, that's going to deplete your energy. So it's being very mindful about what, how we're using our, you know, not just time, but how we're using simple strategies to create impact in our own life. Cause we need, we need to be re-energized. We need to constantly be, you know, like it's the car example, right? You just don't drive on an empty tank. You just don't do it. Um, and so it's pretty much the same thing, but then I know that a lot of social workers, are in these positions that are just very challenging because they're the expectations that, that are set for them are just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's not possible. Yep, definitely. So I want to end with how do you practice your self-care? Yeah. So, um, well, I've, first of all, I, there's one thing that I always do as I, um, and part of my mor- morning routine, and I honestly don't have a fancy morning routine or anything. But one thing I always do is I write down three things that I need to do for the day. So three things being like, not just things that are going to like be priority, but three things that I know are going to take up most of my mental energy. 
And I try to get those done earlier on in the day because that's when your brain has the most fuel. So I do more of like brain care than self-care. I, I think of it that way at least. Um, so those, th just that simple thing sets my day up pretty well. Um, and obviously resting, getting enough sleep. Um, I try to get in my omega threes, um, simply because that has a big impact on your mood. Um, so that it just, it has a lot to do with the brain, but that helps with mood and stuff. So I try to do that. Um, movement, I think of exercise more as movement. So if it's anything fun, like if it's going outside and kicking a soccer ball with my daughter, I'll do that. And I'll consider that my movement. Um, and the biggest thing I would say is I'm like, I try to be compassionate with myself. So I don't have to be perfect. Even if I have those three things on my list, I don't have like just a lot of flexibility around um, what I'm expecting of myself. And that's, to be honest, that's my self care. I don't do a lot of like fancy, fluffy self care. Um, I just do these things that are uh, sort of filling my soul. And, and I watch a lot of Netflix too, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. Well, thank you so much, Savine. It's been a pleasure. And um, if you're not following her already, definitely follow her on Instagram, Savine underscore you matter. Um, where else? Is that the main place, the best place that people can find you? Or do you have other links? Um, I do have um, a website. It's under construction right now. But yeah, I can definitely give you that. It's youmattercoaching.org. Um, and then Instagram usually is the best place. But yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Sabine. Bye. Thank you so much, Catherine. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If this episode helped you, please help me spread the word by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share that you're listening. Tag me on social media. I love it. I will repost and reshare. I love it. Social currency is free, but it is so valuable. Also, I'd love to hear from you on Instagram. I really do respond. I really do love it when you give me your feedback. Lastly, this is not therapeutic advice or business advice or any other kind of personalized advice. To get that, you definitely need me as your coach. So please, again, reach out to me on Instagram. I can't wait till next week. I will see you then. All the love. Bye.